Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakertech. Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitched ball. No other system captures such clarity on a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. On this episode, Bo and I sit down and talk through anxiety, fear, and how they play into performance. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back to another episode of The Farm, Unfiltered. Joey, 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 my man. Excited to be back on the mic with you and have another opportunity to Share some information for the airwaves, and I'm especially excited about this week's topic as you and I were talking before we hopped on the mic. I think this is important for coaches and players to hear for um, you know people that get stuck and, and aren't able to perform under pressure and you know the inability to perform in big moments, and that's our mental barriers that sometimes we place on ourselves. So, Joy, why don't you start us off by talking about how this um, is important to you and why this is important for people to hear? Yeah, I think the, you know, kind of the the first starter there is that again we got to remember that performance you know and you know we can we can talk about movement patterns we can talk about all these other things but again um as lance like to say the kinetic chain starts in the brain right um so when we look at that is that this is what we mean by that and i uh, tweeted something out this morning that or i think it was last night that our movement patterns are slaves to our emotions right and what that means is we've had guys and i have film of this of Guy's in AAA the day before, and, you know, guy hits a home run, right? Move, uh, body looks good, maybe went two for three, something like that, right? Then the next day, he plays, uh, he plays up, gets called up to the big leagues, right? Very next day, jumps on the field, and his movement patterns aren't even close, right, to what they were the day previously. Now, with that being said, okay, did he get any, you know, did he get less strong? Did he get, you know, did anything you know, physical, uh, change may again, maybe slightly small variances. Our bodies do change from day to day, but realistically, right. What's making him move different has nothing to do, um, with, uh, you know, again, the, the, those are our, our body constantly changes on a daily process, but what's, uh, what the biggest change is again, what's going on in the brain. Our brain is the biggest constraint when it comes to uh, movement patterns and because we're just such emotional creatures. So the big thing that we wanted to talk through and the one that we're going to really hit on today is we're going to dive into uh, fear, right? Um, and again, how that is a like fundamental thing that's going on in our head that, um, you know, it's a something that we all, we all feel, right? Um, there's moments where we're, you know, it brings in anxiety, right? Uh, fear of the future, fear of the past, right? Um, and a fear of what might happen, right? All these other things. And, you know, we want to talk through that and how, uh, players and then also coaches and how we, um, go about that in our life, how we can like power through those moments and some kind of different tactics of what that looks like for, for everybody. 
Yeah, and and just to build on that before we hop into some of the stuff, obviously we've heard the sayings like, we're only as good as our thoughts, we're only as good as what's going on between our ears. Our physical ability is only as good as the uh, state that our mind's in, um, which, you know, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of guys that are good mentally. I think that approach um, comes into play, especially when we're getting guys ready to play game day. So I think this is something that uh, is applicable to not only baseball, but really every aspect of life. So I'm excited to hop into this conversation. Yeah. So, you know, let's start with this. So, you know, the big thing of guys going in is, is in, before we kind of dive into uh, the fear side, I want to kind of touch on the, you know, guys having like anxiety. Cause I think it stems, uh, it stems from fear, right? Is that a lot of times with guys like, you know, the anxious or having anxiety is a lot of times this, they're afraid of what might happen, right? How they look, how it may appear in front of others. Again, we have the we have this uh, pack mentality when it comes into just human beings. We want to be connected with others, right? We want to be part of the pack, and that's part of the you know the thing is as how we'll appear to the rest of the pack if we fail, if we do these other things. And this is you know again um, you know right off the bat, this is something that is not again more pointing fingers or any of those things like this is again, stories of, you know, personally, I remember being at the plate. I remember having, you know, ground balls hit to me. I mean, I remember I was the guy that would make the most unbelievable play, but it was the routine play. That's the one I would boot. Right. And a lot of that had to do with uh, the, the fear side, right? I knew that that was a routine play. I knew that I was supposed to make that play. I knew I was capable of making that play. And that's what made the play 10 times harder because of my uh, social anxiety, much more so than my ability to actually make the play. Um, when it was a diving play, the reason that I had uh, way, um, much less anxiety and le- much less fear was I wasn't supposed to be making that play. So it was a win-win for me. If, yeah, exactly. Because because it wasn't routine, that's what made it easier for me to do. Because uh, if again, if I if I dove and I missed the ball, then who cares, right? If I dive, I get the ball. Or again, if I dive and catch the ball and I throw it away, they're like, man, that was cool. He still made a cool play, right? But there's the big side on that. Um, of a being again, being able to be in those situations and like how to address those. And I think that's something we want to talk through. I mean, um, you know, there's definitely things that, um, Bo on a constant uh, basis when him and I played together, there's a lot of conversations that we'd have in between at bats, um, filling through things and kind of getting our mind in the right spot, um, to be at like peak performance. Um, so that's the, the, the one thing I want to, um, kind of let, uh, Bo go ahead and kind of share some of the things, um, you know, that he felt as a player. Um, and then we'll go ahead and kind of dive into how we, um, went about, you know, working through those things as we, as we continue to develop as athletes. No, I, I was the same way as a player. I have some, I'm somebody that's openly, and if you guys have followed me for a long time, I've openly talked about my struggles with anxiety and fear, um, in relation to the performance when I was playing as well. I think that, um, like we've heard before, like we're, we're only as good as how prepared we are. So like when I, when I felt like I was prepared, when I felt like I had a good game plan going to the game, um, I tend to perform more and that's partially why I took that like practice and preparation and, and, uh, scouting reports and charting so seriously, um, was partially because of that anxiety to fail. Um, and, and like you had mentioned, I was also a guy that, that kind of would make the routine play. And then, you know, the next time it's a routine ground ball and I'm booting it. And um, I think that was partially the same way Joey is talking about is that um, when we fall into like looking bad in front of people, especially when it comes to like basic things, um, that that's when you really like that anxiety comes out, um, which I experienced also. And I think that like the more we prepare and, and the more practice and the more we feel like we're ready to play, uh, typically those anxieties will lessen. 
Um, and obviously there's things in the moment and things when we're, uh, you know, you can't always prepare for the game. Um, and I think that's something that we'll dive into later on is like mimicking game-like situations and talking through um, some mental practices that can help you get ready for the game. But uh, when, when, when I'm talking about me as a player, um, I was also kind of that guy that really, really had to feel like I was prepared before I went into the game. Yeah, so, you know, definitely want to um, dive into, you know, a lot of those things and understanding um, what those are. I mean, this is this is this is a very simple example, but I remember even being in class and the teacher said, hey, OK, look, we're going to go around the room. Each person's going to stand up and they're going to say the ABCs. Right. There's a lot of people. I even I remember like, it began, you know, again, it's such a simple task. And the person right before me gets going and then my heartbeat. Right. The heartbeat just boom, 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 boom. Right. The heartbeat starts raising. And it's interesting, again, um, those aspects of being around in groups and like how we uh, peer to others. And then again, obviously much different how we process information from person to person. And, you know, for me now, um, if, if you guys know that, um, I, I guess I would say I also kind of grew up like more class clown. Like I was I was used to kind of being in the spotlight. I liked um, you know, I, I, I liked being in front of groups, right? I like leading groups and that's the same thing now. I like leading groups. So it wasn't as bad for me that I know it was for others. And even my heart rate uh, gets up when I get in front of groups and until I settle in, right? Um, you know, we just had a bridge the gap this last week and being in front of, you know, a bunch of people talking through, you know, um, again, being, um, you know, even the podcast has gotten a lot better too with us as being able to be vulnerable with people in front of groups. You're right. Um, I think that's a, that's a big way to kind of look at it, but I, I think more so, I guess, I guess I'll start in the very beginning is one thing that helped me and maybe help you with your, uh, with your players, or if you are a player, um, it to help you is one practice that I used to do is, um, it's almost like when you're a little kid, right? When I would come, when I was coming up to hit and I'd be in like very like big moments, big moments were coming up. Um, one thing I used to think about is it's like, it's funny. It's like, like I was a little kid. I used to mimic, I used to act like, like I'm Miguel Cabrera. Like I'm Miguel Cabrera and I'm about to, I'm coming up to hit like, and as I'm walking up to the plate, it's like, you guys done messed up, right? Like that's where my brain was, was I would actually, and one of my coaches actually asked me at one point, he asked me, uh, you know, what are things that have helped me with that? Cause I got a lot better, uh, my sophomore year. And I used to say, you know, in my head, I would convince myself, um, that I was somebody that I looked up to, like, how would they act in this moment? Right. How would their emotions be? How would they be thinking? Right. And then he would say, well, why can't you just be, you know, Joey Cunha? And I would say, well, because in my head, Joey Cunha isn't good enough yet. Right. So that was like a mental practice. And it's actually interesting because um, when I was reading um, psychologist books, um, psychology books, I mean, later on, um, that was something that they mentioned is, is again, thinking about uh, someone that you admired or whatever, how they would act in those moments. Right. How a strong leader would be in these moments, um, you know, how they would appear, um, how at ease they would be. Right. Those are those are uh, little mental tricks to kind of get your brain um, in a different spot. And it, would, it can kind of help you help settle your anxieties and also connecting it with someone that's already been successful in a moment like this, that you're not the first one experiencing this. Yeah. And to kind of build some application off there as well. Uh, one practice we used to do, this is when I was in junior high football, but um, our coach used to have us uh, lay down. Maybe this is something you guys want to practice, especially if you have people that um, struggle with anxiety or um, like crossover between games. Our coach used to have us lay in a circle. And for 15 minutes before practice started, we always did this before game day. And um, we'd always visualize like our favorite player and like the success that they would have. We'd always have, like if I was a quarterback, then I'd always view like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or whoever it was. And like you, you can visualize their throws in the game and their touchdowns and the celebration. We spend like five, 10 minutes doing that. 
And then the next five or 10 minutes, we'd visualize ourselves in those moments and we'd visualize ourselves with success. And we'd like imagine what it looked like when we were successful. And um, that's something that I really practiced. Even when I was at Sterling, Joey attests to this one. Um, like before the game, I felt so prepared and so ready. And I'd visualize it so many times that I'd tell him, hey, Joey, I'm hitting a jack today. <laughs> and and usually the first at bat, I hit a jack. Like, you know, it's it's part of it is just tricking and training your mind to, to be ready for the situation. So when they present themselves, you're ready to go. For sure. And it's actually very interesting when you actually dive into um, what the brain is capable of doing. And I mean, first off, I mean, first off, when you when you look at this, I mean, you can just think about the power of a dream. Right. Like your body. Um, and I mean, you even too, like your body had to, your body had to develop again when you go to um, these different stages of consciousness, you, your, your body. And I mean, your brain thinks this is so real, right, that you have to turn off all of the motor, the, all, all the motors in your body to make sure you don't hurt yourself. Right. When you get into deep sleep, because you, you physically would run. Right. You, you would physically. That's the problem with like people that like are sleepwalking or all those other things as they're bypassing um, that that uh, psychological state. And, you know, Bo's the psychologist. He's probably better on that one than um, I just remember again, bits and pieces. I'm, 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 I'm a generalist. <laughs> I read through a lot of stuff. Right. Um, but again, I know that that's something, again, um, that they're bypassing. And that's why those activities happen. They're acting out uh, their dreams. And so, um, you know, for example, that's, that's the power of like visualization. You'll hear about the best athletes and you can read and go watch a whole bunch of things on like YouTube, even real quickly and briefly that uh, a lot of these best athletes, like visualizing one that comes to mind right off the top of my head is McGregor. McGregor talks through a lot of this mental practice and he talks about in a lot of his fights, he'll, he'll say prior to the fight exactly how he's going to knock the person out. And then he would knock him out in that exact way. Right? So the thing is, is again, when we visualize and we start, we start visualizing these things and it's the same way when we watch, um, that's okay. Like when we watch, if you think about it, when you're really into a movie and you watch movies and you start feeling fear, I mean, like think about it or you're, you're, you're afraid or again, it's like an, a really intense, like scary movie. Like your body is actually feeling those emotions because it becomes like a sense of reality. Right. And the visualization is the exact same way. Um, I actually had a mental skills coach when I was in high school. I remember, um, my mentor at the time, um, uh, my mentor at the time used to tell me and say like, Hey, like, uh, Joey, you're good, but you know, if I could, and I would ask questions like, Hey, okay, if I had to work on something, what would it be? You know, like all the questions, it's funny that co- players ask me now, like what's something I should be focusing on. And, um, uh, my coach at my Academy used to always tell me like your brain, you need to get your bet, your head, you need to get your head better. And I would say, uh, you know, now at the time it used to make me upset. Like I had a chip on my shoulder. Like, what do you mean? I got, str- I'm, I'm really strong mentally, but meanwhile, like I was a mental midget, my brain would always be working against me, not for me right? It wasn't an asset yet. And so that was a big part of that stuff. I actually had a mental skills coach and we'd go through and we'd visualize, um, you know, we'd go through a lot of these different practices, um, that would help me. And I would take those same practices once I, again, just progressionary, just like we do with like motor patterns, but for your brain, um, again, training my brain, how to relax. And I think that's a big skill is like being able to not only calm your heart rate, a heart rate, but also being able to calm your anxieties and catch yourself before, um, it becomes like a, um, like a snowball, right? It starts small and then it builds up and it builds momentum. And then all of a sudden, again, things start going out of control and you can really, um, you can see that like anybody that is, has, um, you know, social anxiety or even too some people that struggle with like anger is the exact same way. It like builds, right? 
Now, that being said, one of the things that I used to do that is exactly what uh, Bo had mentioned is every single AB um, before I would hit, I would, and, and Bo probably doesn't know this because I didn't get many at-bats when I was at Sterling, so <laughs> he probably didn't see a lot of these. But again, when I used to do, when I was at, um, when I was in junior college, it used to help me quite a bit, is I would, um, if you guys have ever seen Derek Jeter go to the plate, he does like a little crouch right before he would go to hit. So I'd get into like this little crouch and I would close my eyes and I would visualize exactly what I wanted to happen, right? I'd visualize the ball being middle outside and me driving the ball over the second baseman's head for a double, right? Like that was a visual that I used to visualize the ball coming in and the movement that I would do to hit the ball to right center. And then again, the power of visualization is I remember the affirmation like instantly that I would feel is when I actually produced that result, I'd be like, whoa, like that's crazy. Cause that's exactly, I got it to the point where that was exactly what I could see in my head. And that's very important. I think, I think this is the biggest part of that as well is visualization is a skill. People just think, oh, I can just close my eyes. I, I can visualize things. But this is the thing is that's something, the creativity is one of those things that we start to lose over time, especially with age. Um, that's one thing, you know, not only with baseball, but it'll help you in life is being able to activate that imagination and that creativity side of your brain um, is very important, especially in the sense of uh, visualization and the and and the uh, when it comes to performance of uh, being a problem solver, right? Because again, if you think about problems, you know, we have to come up with very creative solutions because of how dynamic the sport is that we play. And so um, you'll also see that the best players are usually the best problem solvers in the sense of, you know, let that be a movement solution or again, just finding a way to get things done um, however they get done, right? Just uh, being able to solve problems. So that's something, you know, kind of keep in, um, keep in mind of, actually practicing those things and kind of going through those processes and thinking about our brain as a muscle instead of thinking of it like, you know, it just is what it is. Like that's something that we, we definitely have to develop. Yeah. And, and something that can help with that as well is when we get in those moments of stress or um, like high pressure, our body goes into fight or flight mode. And it's not so often like when we're practicing, when we're training, or even when, when we're preparing for the game, we're not in that state. So it's important to remember that like we have to slow ourselves down. Like if you see the best players in the world or, you know, fighters or even like people that perform on stage, what do they always, they're always taking deep breaths. They're always slowing their body down because that's where we train in. It's, it's not very often that we train in those high pressure situations. And uh, that's something that Coach Dinkle down at Southeastern always talked about is like, the level that you play out and, and he ranked it between one and 10, one being like you're asleep and 10 being like you're, you know, like anxiety out to the point where you, you're so high, you just can't play. Um, and trying to mimic that as much as we can in the game. Um, but that's something that I think we'll dive into here in a minute is like the approach that you're taking in between pitches in between swings, like before at bats and taking times and taking deep breaths and getting yourself to that state in which you practice at, because when, when we can get and mimic this, the, the, the state that we're practicing in or that we've visioned this um, you know, event happening in the game, we're more likely to have the success that we've already visualized. When, when our body gets into that state where we, we, re- where we react, we'll typically get back to where like the, like the compensation patterns, kind of like we talk about in movement. If we don't have a movement down and now all of a sudden this ball is flying at 95 miles an hour, we're going to go into our compensation. It's the same thing with the mind, guys. You have to practice that. You have to try to mimic the state in which you practice that as much as we can in the game. 
Yeah, and that you know, good key point to add to that is one thing that um, you know Dinkle would talk about is knowing what level is best for you, right? Some people play better, um, you know, almost like in a daze, and other play uh, players play better in like a heightened sense, right? Where they want to be really fired up, right? So, and I would say that my where I needed to be changed over time, right? When I was in high school, I know for example that I played my best when I was mad. Right. When I was mad, I played my best. And the big part of that for me um, was because when I was mad, I wasn't afraid. Right. I was when I was mad. It was like that anger overrided my fear. So that was best for me. I liked um, I let things get me worked up because I played better. Right. I liked when the other team I used to think about, um, you know, if somebody was laughing in the dugout, all those things just fired me up. Right. And those when I got fired up, that made me play at a better state. As I got older, I wanted to play calm. Right. I wanted everything. I wanted to be like, you know, almost, you know, I would play um, like sympathy, uh, sympathy, well, sympathy, <laughs> symphony, symphony, symphony uh, music when I would go to play. Like I almost wanted to play, you know, like it was like Mozart in my head. Right. Um, I wanted to be real laxed. I wanted to be real uh, um, when I go to the players, you know, the, the catcher at the plate, I'd be having conversations. I wanted to be, um, you know, again, like I was out there just having fun. Right. But when I was younger, I couldn't do that. Right. That was something that uh, my mental uh, state had to change as I changed with age. Right. So um, that's something to be mindful of, too. Just because you had to be that way today doesn't mean that has to be like that for your whole career. As you mature again, as your as your uh, mind changes kind of through different states, you know, you can you can figure out and be kind of mindful of what's the best um, state for you to be in to perform your highest. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Joy makes, too, like. We need to understand that that evaluation process takes part daily. There's something that Joey and I talk about continually is movement versus approach or how you're feeling that day can really dictate how you're going to approach that game. So it's so like Joey's mentioning, there was days where, you know, I was playing at Sterling and I'd be like really, really low playing level because my anxiety was so high for that game. Like I, I had to prepare almost like I was going to like watch a play. And then there were some days where, you know, you're going to the park and you're a little bit lackadaisical your energy levels a little bit low so you're gonna have to play at a higher level and that's something that you have to like examine daily and 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 continually um almost evaluate and and assess yourself and almost have somebody that can hold you accountable as well i think that's an important aspect to all of this is like having somebody that can hold you accountable and know where your weaknesses are Uh, that's something that joey and i talk about frequently as well is um, he knows where I'm weak and he knows where I have anxiety. And that's something that we have to talk through. And that's something that, something that we had to talk through at Sterling. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, having somebody on your team that can help you get through those moments where, um, they have to even you out and help you get prepared for the game. I think that's really an asset you can use, um, you know, on your end. Yeah. And usually, you know, kind of when we go through that is it's, it's good to find, your opposite in a lot of ways is again, finding a teammate, know what players or who you need to go to when you're trying to get yourself to, you know, a certain level, right? If I'm trying to calm myself down, there should be teammates that I could go to that help me be more relaxed. If I need to, again, raise that level a little bit, let's like, okay, let's say my, my best level, I play best out of five on a scale of one to 10, right? If I come in and I'm at an eight, I need to calm down, right? So I need to figure out what I need to do again, is that playing music? Is that talking to certain people? Is that again, um, reading before the game, whatever that is right for you to get you back to that, to that five. And then let's say again, if I come in and I'm at a two, right. And I need to get hyped up. Is that again, maybe I need to try to chug a Red Bull, 
right? What the heck do I need to do? Do I need to do some sprints before the game? Do I need to go hang out with Jake Shimmons? That's a plug right there. That's getting the Sterling teammate. He was hyped up all the time. Do I need to go to that guy that's going to raise my energy and get me, you know, hyped up, right? Um, I know one thing for me, um, you guys are going to think I'm a psychopath, but what I used to do when I was in junior college my last year, I needed to get more hyped up. I wanted to have a ton of energy. So what I would do is one of my teammates, I had, we had this little routine before the game. Um, I would just flex my whole body and he would throw baseballs and hit me in the chest. And so I'd go home at night and I'd have these bruises on my chest. And I'm like, what the heck? I had these bruises from him. And then I remember that he would, you know, he threw baseballs at me at the beginning of the game. But again, like that's like, you'll see that like sometimes like when guys are about to do a big lift, like a guy will like smack his face or something like that. But that's real. Like that's real to get guys in the mindset that they need to be to get their body to perform um again obviously sometimes you know some of those guys are a little dramatic but with that being said that is a that is a real thing that is ways that of guys can get you in a heightened state if you need to right so um that's something kind of keep in mind and some different you know little small techniques that i've kind of used to get through those things and um i think another thing um that's really helped and one of the biggest things that helps me with fear in my life is i accept the outcome and kind of look of what that would be if that were to happen, right? That like address the thing I'm actually afraid of, right? So let's say, okay, if I strike out here, like right here, I used to do this with athletes. Well, you know, I was really nervous about strike. Okay. Well, if you struck out, what's the worst that's going to happen? What are you gonna do? Go back to the dugout. You're still going to go home. You're still going to have food to eat. You're still going to have a bed to sleep in. You're going to still have all these other things and really address. Again, I think we make it bigger in our head than it really is. And then also with that being said, when we visualize in our head, it works both ways. When we visualize bad things happening, right? It's just as powerful as if we visualize good things happening, right? We're making, we're uh, manifesting those things to happen in our life, right? If you're, it's like, it's like, um, I used to tell our players this, let's say, let's say that you're really worried that, you know, uh, like our high school guys, I used to tell them, like, let's say that you're really worried that your girlfriend's going to cheat on you, Right. So because of that, you start doing all these things and you start, uh, you start, um, manifesting these things in your life, right? How you're treating her, um, how you're responding to some of her things. You start, you start questioning, you know, things that she's doing. You start, you start, uh, you know, really not being a great boyfriend, right? Because you're in the back of your head. You're like, she's cheating on me. She's cheating on me. I'm, I don't trust her, all these other things. And then all of a sudden you start manifesting that into your life. And again, she starts looking other places because instead of focusing on everything that you can do, right? To be a good husband or, you know, boyfriend or all those other things, you're focused on, um, all the things that you think that she is doing, right? Or you're, you're afraid of her doing, and therefore you manifest, right? What you don't want to happen rather than focusing on what you can control, right? So the same thing with players is I go, okay, let's say, let's say you do strike out, right? Okay. If you don't want to strike out, you know what you should probably stop thinking. It's like, don't think about a pink elephant. What do you think about? You think about the pink elephant, right? So instead you got to think about what you want to happen, right? If you want to think about home runs, right? Or doubles or whatever, right? Whatever's best for you, whatever you need to think about, right? Then you think about those things that produce the, the highest outcome, whatever that may be for you. Well, an important aspect to take into consideration there, guys, is the mind and the brain, they can't comprehend negative thoughts. Like, they, they don't comprehend negative words. So if you say, don't strike out, the mind just thinks about striking out. So you have to, like, trick your brain into think of, thinking of it differently. Okay, I'm going to put the ball and play this at bat. Okay, I'm going to hunt a zone I can handle instead of I'm not going to swing the pitch away. Because we've all thought of that next thing you know, we're swinging a slider off the plate, right? 
the brain cannot comprehend things that we tell it not to do. Like Joey said, think about it right now. Don't think about a pink elephant. The first thing that pops in your head is a pink elephant. Our our brain and our self-talk controls a large majority of the sex the success that we have. Um, and that's something that I used to have to practice all the time. Speak what you speak the things that you struggle with into existence and they won't have as much control over you. That's, mm. that, that's something that we do all the time. That's something that Joey and I hold each other accountable for all the time. Speak the things that have control over you into it, into existence and watch how much control it doesn't have over you anymore. For sure. And that's a big thing. You know, that's a big thing. Um, you instantly are released from a lot of things when you just speak it, yeah, speak it out loud, right? When you tell somebody that, you know, that's like the biggest thing. And again, uh, that's where definitely we pull into. And, and again, if you're not religious, just hear the message, <laughs> right? But that's the biggest thing is I think um, in that sense of, you know, Bo and I will talk about is like, um, you know, the hold that that has on you when you hold things within you and you say, okay, I don't know what people would think about me if they knew these things, right? If they, if I spoke that into, you know, if I told someone, you know, about that, about that, about me, that they would think about me differently or all these other things. And, you know, there's been conversations where I I'll call, you know, I've called Bo and say, Hey, you know, I remember one of the phone calls recently where I've called him and I was just like, Hey, you know, this is something I'm struggling with. And the moment that I said it out loud, um, the moment that I said it out loud, it, you know, instantly dropped like, you know, 50% of the hold that it had on me just because again, I was holding it within myself. Right. So again, going to a teammate or, um, you know, even to as coaches, you guys have to practice this as well with your players is being vulnerable with them. Right. When you are vulnerable with other people, it gives them the freedom to be vulnerable with you and let out some of the things that they have holds on with them. So just as, and this is something, you know, Bo and I talked about today is that it's very important as a coach. And this is something I've, I've, I've worked through and I've, I have to remind myself all the time is you got to be careful always being super strong in front of your team. Let that be in business or let that be, um, you know, just a, your team in general, if you're just a coach is that, yes, you do want to be a strong leader, right? And you do want to be something that is is stable that people can go to, but also too, you want to be vulnerable where they understand that you feel these things too right? That you feel anxiety, that it is okay to feel these things and address them, right? That you feel fear, that you feel these other things. And then you got through it anyways, right? That's where the real strength is shown rather than feeling like, wow, why does that guy, why does he never look nervous? Is there something wrong with me? Right? Why do I feel nervous? He never looks like he feels nervous. Why does my coach never look nervous? Right? And with that, don't get me wrong, in those moments of chaos, it's definitely good to be, you know, again, to be the stronghold for guys, but it's okay to admit afterwards, like, Hey guys, like during that game, you know, like when we're only up by one and it's the, you know, it's the, uh, you know, we're in the world series and you know, it's two outs guy on second base, um, with their best hitter at the plate. Like I was nervous too, right? I was anxious too. And you know, we, we got through it and we won that game or we didn't like, it's okay to feel those things and, and just explain to them that like you feel those things because you care right? You care about the results. You put a lot of time into this and that, you know, they're going to continue to feel those things throughout their life and their career. And, um, it's okay to have emotions, right? It's okay to feel those things and do it anyways. Right. And, um, you know, and you'll be a lot less anxious the next time, right? Because you've already been through it before and you've already felt it once. It's like the team that returns to the world series. It's like, we've been here before, right? Act like you've been there before. Act like you, um, you know, in, 
And a lot of terms, a lot of times, even teams just going to the playoffs and filling that atmosphere and filling what it's like to play in front of that many people and things like that, right? Those things have a big, um, you know, those are those are big for our mind and how they play into our performance for sure. Yeah, and and a big piece of that, like Joey's mentioning there, if you show me a team that's like struggling with fear and anxiety the most, I guarantee you'll see a coach that's the most closed off, like. Great leaders and great coaches are vulnerable and they're open. And if there's somebody that's struggling on their team with something like this, they'll communicate their fears and their personal anxieties with them as well. Like I remember having those conversations with Dinkle all the time and particularly like Joy had mentioned there with Faith, like there's certain voids that we just can't fill by ourselves. And maybe technically it doesn't have to be God, whatever you believe, whatever fills your cup up. But at the end of the day, we're not good enough as human beings. There has to be something that fills the void for us. And whatever that is, having somebody that can help you and, and communicate that, that they feel the same way is like, it's like a uniting front. It's like a culture builder. So I think that's an important thing there. Um, Joey, before we wrap up here, I wanted to try to take away uh, some takeaways these guys can implement right away as far as like uh, more in the game and like what you would do when you were handling failure and success, um, like in the middle of the game, what were some things that you try to do? Yeah. So, so first off, like, let's say, uh, one thing that was big for me and I know Bo does know about this one, Bo knows, um, is that I used to write, um, inside my top of my hat, I wrote, I'm a bad man. <laughs> that was a big one for me. Um, I'm a bad man. I used to write that in my hat. So, and again, in big moments, I would take my hat off and I would read the statement out loud. I'd be like, I'm a bad man. Right. I, I used to also write in my hat, um, like you, like the initials or usually write it out like all American. Right. So I would tell myself again, like I'm all American, I'm an all-star, right. Stuff like that. Right. That in those in those moments, or again, like I'm a division one athlete, like those telling those affirmations, right. And those things inside your hat, utilizing that, um, in game can really kind of, uh, again, get your brain back to those things and telling yourself, like, again, it's not just about doing it in game. Like this should be something I used to tell myself that throughout the day. Right. Um, and I used to tell myself that all the time when I was at practice, that I would remind myself and constantly affirm on myself, um, to, to, uh, convince my brain that I am that good. Right. And um, you also, you know, always see that with uh, the best athletes or the best performance is the conviction that they do things with um, and the confidence they have going into them. And even if you're going to fail, like fail with confidence, right? Fail positively, fail forward. Right. And that's okay. And I think that's another thing is, is the big practice that I would do in my head with that as well is I started failing at stuff. Right. And being okay with failing is, is huge. Right. So I think even as coaches, right. Something that you guys can implement um, a lot, um, is in your practices, don't let players be so successful all the time. Right. Set up situations. Like I used to do it for a while. We'd build it up and I was kind of building character within our team that we would do. Um, let's say we do at the end of the game, you know, at the end of the day, coaches usually do like 27 outs or whatever, you know, whatever, uh, game you guys play or something like that defensively. But there'd be a long time where I wouldn't let them win, right? I wouldn't let them win. I'd set up situations that like, it'd be like, all right, you guys are up by one, you know, up by one, uh, two outs or whatever. Um, I hit a ball to the third baseman and he makes an error. Next hit, I just hit a single and be like, all right, let's try tomorrow. Like, and things like that. That's something that you can implement as a coach. And then also have those follow-up conversations about failure right? Okay. How do we handle failure? Okay. What do you think a lot, you know, went to that? What are things that we can do better tomorrow? And then again, not make failure, um, 
you know, uh, a destroyer, but a builder, right? And, and, and may more form it as something that we can get better at. So as a coach, those are some different things we can do and some different techniques that we can talk to some players about. Um, what do you got from Bo? Yeah, nope. I practiced something similar uh, as far as my hat and my helmet. I actually wrote a cross in my hat and also my helmet is how I know it was my helmet at Sterling and people try to take it. I always jack it from them. But um, I still remember in my helmet, I'd write, uh, stay tall, good load, quick hands and hit the ball hard. And I'd trace it like a cross. And then after that, I'd always trace, I can't do it by myself. And I'd say it, you know, as I was crossing it. And that, that just helped me feel prepared. And then when I went in the field, I'd always say, um, stay down, hands out, good throw, um, follow through. And then I'd trace it again. I can't do this by myself. Because I knew that I needed strength um, on top just to fight that anxiety I had. And then something else I'd always practice, which I'm sure you guys have heard this, um, Evan Longoria talked about it, is having a release point and a focal point. Um, he, he talked about it for hitting. You know, if you take a bad swing, you'd step out and you'd have a release point. Maybe it's, you know, the foul pole. Maybe it's your third base coach. Maybe it's the dugout. But um, all my teammates always said that I, I did such a good job of controlling the tempo. And part of that was just going through the process of like releasing the pitch I just had, um, thinking about the adjustments I needed to make, and then focusing on it. I'd, I'd always focus back on the bat to get my mind prepared. Um, and then something I had to do defensively because I was always that guy, Joey, that would, you know, boot one ball. And if I booted one, there's probably two or three more coming. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I had to do the same thing defensively. If I made a bad play, I'd, you know, release point, turn around, look at the left fielder, and then, you know, get a focal point, look at the glove, get dialed back in. But, um, that, that's something that I always practice. And then coaches, like Joey had mentioned, I think it's a good thing to do to understand the player. Um, it's, it's, it's always good to have failure in practice because you fail majority of the time in baseball. But it's also important to know how your player reacts to failure. And if, if you have a guy that maybe doesn't handle it as well, put him in situations that allow him to be a little bit more successful. I mean, uh, obviously in the team constraints, you won't be able to um, you know, cater it as much. But I think that's important to have that dialogue and that constant communication with your guys and understanding, um, you know, how those guys need to be coached and treated. Oh, absolutely. And guys, this is, a, you know, it's an ongoing uh, topic. This is the thing, too, with with all of these things when it comes to any type of other um, when it comes to character or any of these things and building these things. It's not a checkpoint, right? It's a constant daily growth process and something that we constantly when it comes to our brain, um, as you guys know, that our, our, our brain is always ever growing and ever changing. And so does our process. Our process is ever growing, ever changing, ever, you know, ever so dynamic. Right. So again, with that, I just, I would also promote with that as well as, as coaches, just take responsibility and have ownership that you're a big part of your players' lives and you're really responsible. They look up to you as a mentor, um, in a lot of different ways. And a lot of times you're a lot of, uh, a lot of their, you know, father figures, right. Um, you know, I, I would say a lot, in a lot of ways, most of us have daddy issues. <laughs> so again, just know that a lot of times these, these players are looking up to you. Um, and there's a, a you guys should have a sense of, uh, re- responsibility when it comes to these things. And, and I think, uh, the big part with that, and it's something that uh, a lot of males and, and, and Bo can def- definitely touch on that as well. But, um, a lot of males, a, a big thing that gets pushed into them is that, you know, they're not supposed to have feelings and that, um, you know, what they feel doesn't matter and that they're not allowed to express what they feel. And that's something that, again, that is just, you know, just not true, right? That's just not true. They're human beings, just like anybody else. They have feelings. We all have emotions and we got to get better at processing those things and not holding them in and letting them build up and destroy us. Or again, being released in, um, a lot of unhealthy ways. So that's definitely something that I would add uh, to that point before we wrap up. 
Yeah. And last thing I'd like to add there, just building off of Joey, um, like we had mentioned before, like when you talk about something, it's released from you. So if you coaches are creating that, that uh, culture and that uh, like persona that I'm tough, that I don't talk about anything, your players that do struggle with things are going to struggle performing in the game just because they don't have the um, openness and the uh, relationship with you and their teammates and the other assistant coaches to talk about that stuff. When, when you look about people that struggle with fear and anxiety in general, most often they're raised with parents that like don't make that a priority in their lives. They're, they're kids that feel like they don't have anybody to talk to. They're kids that feel like they don't you know, have anybody in their corner. So the message I'd say to you coaches is just be that guy for them because you don't know if they have that in their lives. And really you can make them a better baseball player, but down the road you could really like change their lives and affect it for the future. For sure. And, and uh, kind of getting put some pressure on an assistant coach here. Um, a lot of times players don't want to talk to the head coach. <laughs> All right. A lot of times players don't want to admit that they were being, you know, they were really anxious or they were afraid to strike out not AB. So a little pressure on the assistant coach. That's kind of your role, bro. You got to, got to, got to, got to get that one in there is sometimes you got to be that guy, right? You got to be the one that they can talk to um, because the head skipper is definitely the guy, you know, or if that guy's whoever's responsible for writing the lineup, that's kind of the guy I don't want to know that I was a little afraid that AB or whatever. So um, good thing to know. And again, kind of assistant coach role, kind of be a psychologist sometimes and kind of help some of those guys out and have some uh, security from the, the head skip as well. Um, doesn't hurt. So, um, you know, again, uh, make sure you guys, um, we have a whole bunch of resources that we've been pumping out. Uh, stay tuned on that. Um, we want to get your players. If you guys have unsigned players, definitely check out the new resources that we put on there. And we want to help coaches out and get uh, other coaches jobs. So re, uh, check out those resources that we've been adding. Let us know what else we can do. They come from great ideas from coaches like you. So definitely reach out and let us know some different ideas that you guys have and see if we can execute on a lot of those things. But until next time, from us and our partners over at Yakertech, Farm System out.